Oh, welcome everybody to another edition of Already Is Workmanship podcast. Uh, I'm Todd. I'm here today with Logan. Uh, Dell had a work conflict and couldn't make it this morning. Uh, good morning, Logan. Good morning, Todd. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So today we're going to talk about uh, the concept of spiritual willingness. Um, in the recovery world, it is a uh request from god or becoming willing to have god come in and remove our character defects um in the spiritual world in in kind of the faith world it is the like becoming willing to be sanctified by god to be changed by god um so we're going to kind of talk about that melding today uh logan and i will but first we need to cover what our question was from last week uh, last week uh, i talked about the concept of having a safe place, um, either a safe place that you can go to meditate, connect with God, that's a physical place or a place in your head when everything's going wrong in the middle of stuff. Uh, what do you do? How, how can you like visualize stuff so you can be okay for a moment and, and get through whatever difficult situation it, it is, right? So um, my two places that I can like just take a deep breath when everything's wrong are like i can visualize like walking hiking or running through like uh meadows and forests in the mountains that's one of them and the other one is um years ago i was camping at uh lake tahoe and my son at the time always woke up early in the morning and had to take him on a walk to get him back to sleep and <clears throat> One of those walks, I got to see the sunrise over Lake Tahoe, and that is among the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So those are my two things I can go to. I can visualize those things when everything is wrong, take one or two deep breaths. Um, then almost always I have words I didn't have before, and I can handle the situation that I didn't have like outside of myself. I can, like, God gets to intercede in those things and, like, all the anger or, or whatever is going on inside of me that that is all the emotions I know that are reacting to trauma in childhood or any of the other things that uh, are there, um, my sinful nature, whatever it happens to be, um, God will come in and intercede and give me space to be able to have words I normally wouldn't. So those are my two things that I do. And then uh, just in general, walking for me is my like quiet meditation where God connects back to me. So if I can't figure something out or uh, something's weird or, or whatever happens to be, and I get a chance to take a walk um, or kayak, those are my things, right? So I've talked about those ones, some in the last podcast, um, but uh, the mental space of what to do there, uh, those are my safe places where I can go and get a respite for a minute and have God kind of intercede back in. So. Wanted to know, no, uh, Logan, there if uh, you had some insight on that one or stuff that works for you. Yeah, um, I tend to, um, I tend to just when I'm not thinking or when I'm stressed, I tend to just kind of do stuff, and so you know, I'm always busy myself up. Um, I've, uh, I'd, I'd rather be generally rather be busy than bored, so. I have to actually create rest or I have to create stillness in my life. And so if I, if, if I'm dealing with stress, if I'm, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, if, if I really need um, a spiritual health check and just intimacy with the Lord, I have to create stillness. And so that's, that's a challenge. So usually it's like, I have to create some physical stillness or, you know, just stillness from, from busy, from hurry, hurrying from one thing to the next. So it could be something serene, like, you know, paddling out on the lake or, you know, or yeah, walking through a familiar place, something that doesn't engage my mind. But it, what it usually looks like for me is it usually involves um, putting, putting my headphones in or something like that and listening to worship music. Um, that's, that to me is the the most reliable thing for me to do is to find a place where there's nobody around. Um, even if it's, I mean, I'm a dad. So sometimes it's like go in the bathroom and shut the door 
put my headphones in, listen to listen to uh, worship music for five minutes. You know, I have a dad with four kids, so sometimes that's literally the only place that I can not be disturbed. Um, if I just mm-hmm. need to kind of just get my my head right and just really connect with the Lord. Um, oftentimes it's, you know, on the back patio or something like that. I've, you know, I pull up a chair and just sit there, look at something that's not super stimulating and engaging, uh, like stare out at my backyard and unless the grass is too high and it's going to distract me that I need to mow it or something like that. And yeah. literally just kind of, or oftentimes I just close my eyes and I just listen to some worship music and it allows me to get to the place where I'm not thinking about earthly things and I'm thinking about the Lord. Um, that's the most reliable thing for me to get to that place yeah. um, is again, creating a, you know, kind of throwing up a little bit of a barrier between me and the world um, and allowing me to um, allowing myself to understand and get some perspective on what's really important. Yeah, but it's definitely a process. It's something that I have to engage in. Usually, it takes me five, ten minutes, even to get to the place where I can quiet my mind and not have a million things running through it. Yeah. So, thanks. Um, yeah, those are the things that we have to do, right? Just to be able to function the way God wants us to function, and like solve the things that God puts in front of us to like love and care for others. Right. That's always when it's the most challenging for me, Uh, especially when somebody is hard to love, right. That, that they're punching all the buttons that are making me want to like react negatively. And I know God wants me to love this person. So how am I going to go about doing that in this situation that is incredibly difficult for me? That makes me want to do all the things, but love somebody. Right. So, yeah Um, yeah we've all been there (laughs) so i think today's just today's podcast itself is simultaneously the simplest part of um faith and recovery and also the most complex thing in theology and recovery both at the same time right and uh that is this um process of the sanctification and even the process of becoming willing to have god transform us from the inside out and um i've met people who've encountered god and in one moment uh just turned a switch on and they went from being uh completely off the 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 rails and just became completely submitted to God and like God purpose life in one moment, right? And then I've met tons of people that are like me that struggle with um being willing to have God like be submitted to God from moment to moment every day. Like that's where I'm at, like every day. It's not just a one time switch decision that just boom and everything was like radically changed. It's like, oh man, I have to do that switch decision a thousand times a day for me to be okay. So, um, and so, uh, in the steps, uh, you know, that were developed by the Oxford group and all that stuff that we, you know, AA borrowed a huge chunk of its tradition from, uh, Christianity and the Oxford group, uh, step six is, you know, uh, we were entirely ready to have God remove our defects of character. Um, so that that willingness you know, became willing to have God remove our defects of character, um, like the, that right there. That's a it's a really that's uh, a radically different thing, right? It's it's the complete willingness. It's not just like like our our old life is dead and we're raised anew in that baptismal sense, right? It is a conscious rejection of that old life and submission to God. Uh, an acknowledgement that our old life just doesn't work. Um, I have a good verse or a few verses. It's kind of long from uh, the Message Bible, and it's Galatians five nineteen through 23. And uh, this is what it is. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of getting uh, your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a sneaking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, 
frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket, uh, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfy, satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence uh, to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates the things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. So, um, that's transformation right there. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, we, we have to, you know, we have to start from a place where we, where, and, and it's not like a one time thing, but as you said, we, we have to start from a place where we understand that, that we need him. We understand that if we are allowed to make all the decisions in our life from here till the end of it, that it's going to, it's going to add, amount to disaster. And there, there is a certain amount of being able to have, to actually examine ourselves, examine yourself and, and see, I'm not sufficient to do this well. And it's a tough place to be at. And that's that brokenness of character and that, that, that place of humility that if we are honest and we're not trying to escape our life, we will, we will get there. If we, if we, if you look at your life, honestly, and you actually are honest with yourself about the mistakes that you've made, you will very quickly come to the place where you understand that you are not sufficient to live your life successfully. And without breaking things, breaking people, uh, creating a, you know, a swath of destruction. Um, you know, we, we insulate ourselves from that by, oftentimes blaming others or kind of adopting a victim mentality where it's, oh, it's not my fault. It's all these other things. But if we're honest, it is our fault. There's many, many times that we could have made decisions that would have spared people's feelings or trauma. Um, and if, if we, if we are really hu truly humble, we look and we see, man, I need help. And then it becomes much easier to be willing to be changed because you understand that you have to be you understand that you're in a place where you're fallen, that you're not sufficient. Um, but we have to reject that idea of that, it, that we didn't have anything to do with it, that it was all, that we're always a, a result of our, you know, our situations and yeah. embrace that, embrace the, the process that God has set up for us. Um, it's a, it's a humbling thing, but it's the, it's the only way to really truly have peace and fulfillment is to go through that process of admitting to ourselves who we really are so mm -hmm. yeah and um there's like a lot to unpack in here right uh -huh. um so first off i think um this type of living this type of willingness to have our defects of character removes removed requires a, like a, a pretty radical honesty um and that really requires um uh, an investment of time and effort in a smaller community than just what you're going to see on Sunday morning, right? Um, that radical honesty, um, that ethos of the radical honesty to be like in the process of having um, our biggest things removed from us and our character defects removed from us. It can happen in a church on Sunday morning. Um but there's just very few churches where the the congregation and the 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 people there uh, are all embracing that ethos of showing our real selves rather than the projections we would show on Facebook, right? Um, so that is that that's what it requires, right? And the safest place to start doing that is in a smaller group of people that that is like that small group that's why you know small groups are incredibly important 
and it can happen like it happened uh, for me at Logan's church. And it happened for me at a couple other churches I've gone to where there's a large percentage of people in the church that are also uh, in recovery. Um, so there's enough people I can just be radically honest around and it's okay. But that is not, that is not the predominant way that people are attending church currently in the United States in the Western culture, right? There's, in Western culture, it's very much this, uh, you know, um, basically almost Facebook, right? Where you're curating who you are while you're at church so you can show that you're fine when everything is not fine. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. That is, we don't have to try to solve that because you can actually get that stuff you need to do this processing and sanctification in a small group. And then once that starts happening in the small group, that spills into church and it spills over in this fountain of of God's, you know, grace just overflowing in other people's lives and to everybody else. Um, so it's but that's just kind of the way of doing it, right? And um at least in my thoughts. So um I'll let Logan talk about that since he's the pastor guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you can see, you, you can definitely tell um, a church that's that's built on and dedicated to the idea of small groups, um, small expressions of community, um, because when you walk into it, people are hopefully more real um, because they yeah. have these consistent expressions, you know, weekly or every other week or something like that, where they have either people in their home or they're going to somebody else's home and, and you're in a less public place. And it's very, very difficult not impossible it is very very difficult to maintain appearances that that frequently you know where you yeah. are at church and then you're at home small group or you're at a bible study or you whatever and eventually people are going to figure out who you who you really are um yeah. which is why we encourage people to you know if if you know we encourage you to to you know dig down roots wherever you're at and spend some time there get real with people um it's for your own accountability as much as anything else, because once people get to know you, then, um, you know, it's much, much harder to, to, you know, to put up, put up fronts and to, you know, fake who you are. Um, the church that I'm in, people know me so well that, you know, if I try, if I try to like put on a face or something like that, there's always somebody who's perceptive there who like pulls me aside and be like, what's really going on with you? Um, yeah. you know, so, um, that's, that's the wonderful the wonderful blessing of community, a real community, if you allow yourself to, and if you find a community that's open, um, which are, you know, two big church issues that, you know, yeah. church leaders constantly battle um, is, you know, creating that openness and maintaining it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 an incredibly it's unfortunately rare <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, but, but yeah, you're right. A, it, yeah. Go ahead. Well, it's hard just because it's like, at a certain sizes, it becomes hard to know everybody, um, and it's just it's hard to have that. Like in in the large corporate setting, it's just hard, and it's hard because it's not like our world is increasingly becoming more a curated view of ourselves and less about being real, and that's been going on for well over a hundred years, right? Like, I think. Around the turn of the century, 120 years ago, it was a lot different, but that I'm sure that was still that case there, right? And small communities and all that stuff, that wasn't the case. But um, as we grow into big cities, it's always just like, hey, you know, the culture is just kind of that, right? It's just kind of the way it is. So yeah. And people will people will say like, oh, you know, they have a specific church size that they like, and a lot of times it has to do with. Um, and, and I don't mean to demonize large, large church contexts or anything like that, but it is very, very difficult to maintain, to maintain a close knit feeling of community. And when your church gets very, very large. Um, and I think that's why we see in the, you know, the pattern of planting churches, um, you know, and in, in every city and, you know, we look back at the biblical times, the cities were not huge, but even the ones that were huge, like there were multiple expressions. They were meeting at homes predominantly. And I think this has to do a lot with the, how corporate things get. If you're meeting in homes, there's kind of a maximum size of that, of, that that community is going to be able to get to, i.e. 
the amount of people that would fit into a home. Though in the biblical times, wealthy people in the Middle East, you know, in, in Israel, et cetera, they, some of them had very large homes, but there was like this cap. And so then somebody else would need to open up their home. And you created this space where you at least know generally who's in your home. You know, it's hard to pass by somebody and the person who owns the home not to know that you came in. And yeah. so that that is important. In fact, I would say that if you're going to go to one thing, most people say, well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. And then, you know, the second thing that they're going to do is go to a small group. I would, I'd flip that. If you're going to go to one thing, if you only have time to do one thing, I would go to small group. Yeah. Um, Cause you're going to find real connections with people inside of a, yeah. a home group or small group, whatever your church calls it. My Christian based 12 step groups are amazing, right? They're fantastic. You know, um, they feel more like church to me than Sunday morning does. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I struggle with it. Um, I'm kind of starting to see it in a different light of what it is. Right. It was like, okay, how do I, how do I have a small group of people that like overflows into a church and, and makes it different? So, um, yeah, I, I view it as my small group is my, is my actual community where I get fed. Yeah. And then yeah. Sunday morning is where I go to serve others. Yeah. And that's, that's generally the way I, I see it in my mind. And I feel like that's, that's, you know, that's, that, that works for me is whether it's your recovery group or whatever, wherever you're getting spiritually fed and you're finding people to encourage you, to help you get through life, to help you on the path, to stay on it. That's like where you feed, where that's the food trough. That's where you get fed. And yeah. then you want to have an outlet. You want to have a place to serve, whether that's on Sunday or whether that's in your community, you know, you need to have an inlet and an outlet. Cause if, you know, if you're a pond and you have an inlet, no outlet, what is it? It's like stagnant and death. Yeah. If you have no inlet, you have no, you have no water. You need to have both. You need to have stuff coming in and you need to have stuff going out. And that's how we're designed to operate. Yep. So getting back on topic where like, so the space is the right place. Like, like what we just talked about was correct. Like having those places to be able to live this out is really a big deal. Um, but the actual going through the sanctification is, um, it can be quite rough, right? Oh, yeah. Because, um, like, we're having stuff that was part of our lives for a really long period of time removed that we didn't even know were an issue, right? Like, my current issue is the fact that, like, hey, I defend myself, right? And there's a period of time where I needed to learn how to do that well because, like, I would just let people walk all over me uh, when I was kind of thinking as a victim. Um, but it's also part of victim thinking, like, oh, I have to defend myself all the time. And that's what I'm working on right now, right? And it constantly comes up um, because I'm willing to have it removed. So it's happening all the time once I'm aware of it. Um, but but there's this, uh, this thing, that willingness, right, of becoming aware of something and then being willing to have it removed that is a a distinct part of this thing that that i don't know i think the you know in the things we've talked about there's kind of a couple layers of being willing over again right like we i started talking about the first step of like okay being willing to admit that our lives aren't manageable and now it's like being willing to admit that we have these massive character defects that are ruining our lives uh, that were in that really big list of stuff at the first part of Galatians, right? Um, mm-hmm. That is a, a pretty good reflection of what our society is right now. Um, and then we go down to like the things that aren't there, right? Like I, I just look at like how like you know competitive and all these other things society is, and it's just like oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, that that's. That that thing there is a, it's a really radically different viewpoint to view it as oh it's mine, and it's a character defect of mine. So, um, I vividly remember the first character defect I became eminently aware of that I had to be removed uh, was the inability to do what I said I was going to do. I consistently say to my wife, "Yes, I would do that." I'd never do it because that's what happened. That was the model for me in my house was say yes, I'll do it and have no intention of ever doing something. Um, that's what my parents did to me. That's what they did to each other. That's just what was like the norm in my house. 
Uh, but that's an incredibly destructive thing to do, right? And I had to like I had to like have that removed because it was a really bad part of me, right? Um, and it's mostly removed. Like the only thing that I have a hard time with is when I tell my wife, "I'm yeah, I'm going to come to bed at ten thirty and not falling asleep and sleeping and being asleep till eleven thirty downstairs and coming up the stairs like late." That's the one consistently I don't keep. Uh, but besides that, I'm, I'm like really good on that one. Right. Um, but I still have to work on it all the time. And there's just a litany of all these things that I've been told over the years that have become willing to have changed. Um, but I know I kind of like to get your experience and just thought theologically on what that willingness looks like. Like, um, cause I know what it looks like in a practical recovery sense of being willing. So like I don't die because I'm like mm-hmm. gonna stop drinking or doing my behaviors that destroy my life. Um, I, but I really like to hear what your things are on like the uh, that actual theological willingness and encountering God. Well, I mean, the, the you're talking about the process of sanctification, and you know the the that's the middle process in in our in salvation. You know, we have we have the the act of of, of justification. That happens when we come come to the Lord and we we submit initially, and that you know justified. It's that legal term that means that we are, you know, that we have been basically you know like written in the book of life. You know, you're justified, justify as if I had never sinned. You know, when God looks at us, He sees His His Son. He accepts us, and then we enter this. And it it's confusing for people because we enter this process of sanctification, and it's like why because Nothing that we do will change how God feels about us. He won't. Love, he will not love us more. He won't love us less. Uh, none of it changes whether or not we spend eternal life with Him, and we are co-heirs with with Him when He returns. Um, so it's all this work, all this. Oftentimes, you know, we like to talk about it a lot on this pod, podcast, but it's important suffering. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of stress. You know, there's a lot of you know, uh, emotional turmoil and everything like that that goes through this process of sanctification that we see where it, where it says that he we are being conformed to the image of Christ. So, like, why? <laughs> like, why do we go through all of this? Um, and it's because, and 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 it and we can ask ourselves that if we are if our focus is on ourselves, but actually it's for the benefit of others, for the benefit of others that we are transformed into into Him. Because we don't live in a vacuum and we don't live in a place where where we it's just us and God. It's designed that we're social animals. Um, we're designed to be planted in the community. We're designed to have families, et cetera. And for them to see to see the fruit of us being transformed into the ex- example of Christ is one of the most powerful things that draws people to to Jesus. And so as we submit and have willingness to be changed, and a lot oftentimes it just looks like just not bailing out of the process. It's not that we have to go through some, you know, some crazy thing. It's, it's, there's always going to be this pressing thing of just leave, just stop, just go do what you want to do, live for yourself, stop going, stop going to the, the AA meeting, stop going to recovery, stop, you know, participating because it's too painful. Um, and, but, the fruit of for uh, the fruit of other people seeing that that transformation and is the most powerful witness that we could ever have you know changed lives change lives and we've talked about that many times um but that you know that 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 transformation is is really theologically is god's glory it glorifies the lord and what happens when you glorify something? It draws attention to it. And considering those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we have the answer to to life. I mean, that's it's the it's the answer to the big question of of humanity. You know, we when He is glorified, then that answer is more and more apparent to other people, and it draws them to Him. And that's why we're that's why when we are saved, we don't get immediately raptured because we have work to do. Like we have a a mission. We have a mission 
of what our life is on this on this planet to bring other people to him to you know um and so from a theological perspective that's it's like that's for me that's why i i continually submit because the more the less i am self-centered the more i am others centered the easier it is to have that willingness because i know it's not about me my future is secure my place with the lord is secure my relationship with him is secure but let me uh, as the more I, I allow others to see me go through the process, it's it's for the other's benefit, not myself. And that helps me to maintain, to continue to be motivated for the suffering that is entailed for the, to lay down my pride. Cause that's usually for me, at least my pride is the barrier. Me wanting mm-hmm. to believe that I'm a good person, that I'm great the way that I am when I know that that's not necessarily true. Um, he loves me the way I am. Um, I'm worthy of him sending his son to save me um, for some reason. Um, but I'm not, you know, yeah. You get where I'm going. So, yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's probably one of the hardest things to figure out and do as a Christian is I'm loved enough just the way I am to be saved and valuable enough just the way I am to be saved. Um, but I'm not good enough not to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's good. And that's a that's really, really hard thing to figure out. Right. Is, mm-hmm. is the difference between those things. Right. Um, like I can't do what God wants me to do. My God given mission in life to love and care for others without changing and becoming more like Jesus. Like I can't do it. So, um, yeah. And so, it's a that's a really difficult one. I think that is where uh, that that's where like all of the issues that pop up in church kind of come from too, right? Is that dynamic, um, right? And this like desire to show that we're actually good enough, right? Or to show that we're changed enough, or all those things, right? And or the work based things come in because we know we have this we know ourselves right and we feel like we have to work because we know we don't have there's this gap right so um yeah yeah i mean it's uh, there's always the it's there's always that that desire or that to kind of you know put our hand on the wheel you know and and because we're having to we're having to let go and allow somebody else to to do something and you know we all want to feel good about who we are and but we i guess that's the that's the mentality change that has to happen is you can feel satisfied and good about who you are based on your value but what we do is we equate value to your demonstrate like what you do but yeah. real value is not what you do it's who you are it's your it's your position in with God. It's your position as, as his adopted son or daughter. Um, and we want to continually revert and it's just a human thing. It's a human thing to revert to our value being what we can produce. Um, yeah. And it's just, that's, it, it's a, it, it's a change in thinking. And, and, and I, I would just encourage people not to beat yourself up too much about the fact that this is a tough process. What the Lord is asking us to do is completely change the mentality of how we operate that is counter to basically what most of humankind operates, which is mm-hmm. transactionally based on your work product or output. It's like, no, I'm going to change your value system to be what I deem is valuable. And I declare is valuable and to take mm-hmm. that rather than whatever. And it's, it's hard. It's a whole yeah. lifelong process and it's hard to do, but it glorifies him when we do it. And when we do it, the pressure releases from us because it's not about what we accomplish. It's about who he is and what he's done and who he's declared that I am. You know, it would probably be easier if we did live in a, in a, a, a society that had a Royal family, right. Where you get born into it and you're like, well, you're important because yeah. you're born into a Royal family. And that's yeah. actually much more closely aligned to how we 
we live. Like once we're adopted in, it's like, no, your importance is and your value is based on who your father in heaven is, not based on anything that you've done. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of complexities there, right? Like whole entire um, political systems are built on trying to convince people to place their faith in the the government rather than in a god, right? Mm -hmm. Um, like or in the king or in the ruler or whoever, right? Like that's just how we are, right? Um, one of the things I want to encourage people on this one, right, is um, there are no small missions from God, right? Um, so, you know, we have a God who will go after the one and leave the 99. So that's who he is, right? And find the broken wandering lamb, right? And... You know, we live in a society that values the person that goes out and saves millions, uh, right? And it was like leading, uh, like big leaders who go out and accumulate all these giant things, whether it's billionaires or kings or countries or any of those things. But, um, you know, you there's a very good chance that, you know, well, it's not a very good chance. There's substantially more people whose mission it is to go out and find the one broken that needs somebody to walk beside him for 10 or 20 years. There's way more need for that uh, than there is for the one that goes out and gets millions. Um, because like, that's just, it is right. It's finding that lost sheep is a lot more effort. It takes a long, longer time. Uh, it requires an entirely different relationship. Um, so that's okay. It's, it's okay that you're out there. There's, a lot more people need to be out there doing that than the people doing a million people, right? So don't don't think that that's not incredibly valuable to go do that because it is. Because one change of life, you you never know what that change of life is going to do. So um, I don't know. I like don't get too wrapped up in that thing that we were talking about earlier about like the value of who you are. Um, God's mission is God's mission, right? And but that's just what it is, right? And you're going to come into somebody's life that, like, you were built to love, and you'll be able to love them better than anybody else ever could. So, yeah, we we tend to overvalue one large action, and and under we overvalue that, and we undervalue the small, repeated, everyday um, action that really defines a life over a long period of time just in in our, in our humanity you know i remember you know growing up in the church it's like man if if they prop me up in front of the firing squad and told me to renounce jesus and i wouldn't do it and i you know i'd go to my death as a martyr it's like okay but that's one moment You're like yeah that's that's admirable somebody who would do that what's what's harder to do that one moment where you summon your courage to say something you know to to stand firm or Every day remaining undistracted from the mission every day of over 80 years or 60 years, however long you've been walking with the Lord and continually submitting yourself to his changing, being humble, praying and saying, Lord, who do you want me to bless today? Which one takes more effort and is harder to do? And I would submit that it is definitely in the small things that we really demonstrate our character and we demonstrate our love for the Lord, not in that one big showy effort. Um, and that is going after the one that is seeing that person that is unlovely, that nobody else wants to, to reach out to and saying, Lord, is this the person that you have given me and put on my heart for me to go after? Um, I, I have a really good hint on who the person you're supposed to go after is. So if you close your eyes and think of the person that makes you the most angry in the world that, that every time you interact with them, you're just right. Yeah. But that's probably the person you're supposed to just love on the most. Sometimes you have to do it with really high, like really, really high good boundaries because it's the only safe thing for you to do. For yeah. Not relapse or not go into stuff. I'm not saying to go love somebody who's physically assaulting you or all that stuff. Right. Um, but there are people that make you super upset every single time you talk to them. 
And yeah, God probably is putting them in your life uh, for you rather than to argue with them. Just love them. Right. And I've found that those are the people that I'm just supposed to love. Right. And sometimes, sometimes they're not around for your life very long. Right. There's been multiple people who would just make me angry, angry, angry. And as soon as I loved on them, the first time I stopped reacting and getting angry back and wanting to argue with them, but the first time I just like listened to them and loved them, they stopped talking to me entirely. That may happen. That may have. And then they'll just like reject everything entirely because they don't want that love. Right? They want the animosity. They want the hatred. Um, so either way, you're either loving on somebody that desperately needs God's love and is going to be transformed to the relationship with you. Or it is the ultimate ninja move that uh, stops that from happening to you over and over and over again. Um, and that's probably a character defecty thing that I had to deal with in my life too, right? Where I couldn't handle people that were angry or had specific emotions expressed towards me. And as I learned how to handle them and just love them, um, they stopped coming around me all the time, right? So, um, but man, like that's like I want to do stuff, right? Like my my natural inclination, like I grew up in a house with a dad who was a detective who loved to argue, right? Like, so I want to argue, right? You've seen <laughs> me do this before, or I'll just like start arguing and then have to stop myself and be like, no, 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 I don't want to argue. And like I'm just, I'm, I did need to express that, like this is my life and this is how I have to hold myself accountable. And if I don't do these actions. I'm not a very good person. And I go back to owning it myself. And then you see like the whole argument get diffused, right? You've seen this happen for me. Uh, uh, but yeah. it's, you know, but it's just what it is, right? Like I know that that argument is not going to be beneficial to me or to the other person that wants to argue. It never is. So my wife can't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, that's all right. I, I had a revelation this week on a personal note that um, we, I've been doing all of this. Uh, I'm a kind of a personality junkie, you know, about how people are wired. And um, I've been, you know, I, I did this deep dive into the Enneagram for a long period of time. And now I'm kind of complimenting it by, you know, doing a, a deeper dive into the Myers-Briggs system, which is the first one that I learned when I was a kid and, and as a young man. And I, I, my wife and I usually have arguments about what I said or what she said, you know, a couple of days ago or something like that. And both of us feel very, very sure that we remember correctly what happened. And then I just, we went into this, what's called Myers-Briggs function stacks, and I'm not going to get into that, but basically what it comes down to is that my wife, the primary way that she views the world is through memory. And so she actually has a really, and so, and that's my, lowest process my what they call your auxiliary process so i'm looking at this and i'm reading this textbook that this book that i'm like really interested in and i've had this moment of epiphany of man i need to stop arguing with my wife about what happened in the past because she's way more reliable than i am i'm like oh my gosh that sucks because <laughs> i love to argue with her about what oh, no 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 that's not what i said that's not what i said and i go man I, I if i'm really in if i'm really accepting this information I need to stop arguing with her about what I said or didn't say and just accept that she probably remembers better than I do. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when the Lord brings something to you and you're like this sanctification of like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, man, I'm going to have to let that go. Oh, I don't know. That's that the cost is too high. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully I make yeah. the right decision there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. You're you're going to be going through that in every other area of your your life. So that's one of the things I found that this is like unneeding a sweater, right? Once you start pulling the string, it just keeps on going, right? You just and you just look at the like like oh I've done it for all these really hard things already. I'm just going to do this other one too. Yeah, but I mean, um, so for me, like it gets to this lie that that I think um, you know we talked about this in the past, but like it's this lie that at some level I believe that if I'm right then my wife will love me will will love me and if she finds out that i'm fallible that the love will will stop it actually yeah. it it actually comes to the exact opposite you know when i'm more humble and i go no actually honey you're right 
you know, and I'm, you know, I'm not, you're more reliable in that area. And I honor the way she is, then she actually, our, our intimacy grows. And so it's, you know, it's dispelling that lie, that lie of like, well, I'm not worth anything. So if anyone ever figures out that I'm not the smartest person in the room or something like that, then I'm going to be rejected. It's like, no, that's, that's not true. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is what it is. We all have our, you know, we have our personal demons that we fight and we just have to be willing to submit to the sanctification of, of God trans transforming us more and more into Christ and, and trust the process that the process will yield fruit that, that is good. It's good. Yeah. And, And it's, um, yeah, getting into there. So, um, some of the things that I know, like, so so some of the big things I, I know that are going to be on the list of people that are going to pop up in this process of becoming willing. Um, number one, becoming like one of the big, probably the biggest character defect you can have is a large misconception of who God is, especially around his character. That's going to be one of the ones that gets addressed. It's super hard. Uh, we model who God is based on our earthly father. Um, there's a lot of stuff there. So that's a large one that God's going to continuously process on. God continuously places us in situations where we have to rely completely on him. And that shows his character towards us when he He sustains us and he shows his character uh, in that process. But it's terrifying. So there's that. Um, so there is honesty. That's a huge one. Uh, there is self-deception. Another big one. Um, there's going to be reflection of it is always your issue, not, not others issues. Right. So it's like to rephrase this. So so it sounds like, it's like uh, my character defect was it was always like I would take issues that were others and make them mine and take responsibility for them. And I would give away my responsibility for things that were really mine to other people and say that it was their fault. Both of those things are super damaging. So that concept of what is your responsibility, that character defect will get addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, Right? So if we're giving away or like if you're giving away tons of stuff and it's everybody else's fault we'll be miserable beyond all belief right when it's others fault of how we feel um and it's an external person miserable beyond all belief um and it's like taking responsibility there if we're taking responsibility for situations or decisions others are making um that we have no control over equally miserable right so that's a really big one there um it's super hard to do that character defect and it was also super hard. Well, let's be honest, all this, all of our character defects are super <laughs> hard. Um, I mean, some of them are big, like lust and envy and the seven deadly sins, right? And and all that stuff. Those are those are all gonna be there as well. Um but the subtle ones there are also hard, like dependency and judgmentalism and all these character defects that are that are part of our stuff, right? So mm-hmm. lots of the stuff there, which is why it's like so hard to like at the beginning of our conversation here of finding a small group to talk to people about and exist in this like project the projection of yourself that is the honest projection of yourself rather than the like Facebook, you know, curated one that you show everybody else. Um, because you're gonna show some really ugly things, right? Like, yeah, oh my gosh. I did this and it harmed my wife. I did this and it harmed my children. I did this and I harmed the group, right? Like that, that is um, difficult, but man, like I guarantee you if you're in a small group and you come to them and talk to them and say, hey, I realized I had this as a character defect and I was doing blah, 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 blah. Um I guarantee that group that day is going to be one of the best groups. Almost everybody in that group is going to say that was an amazing group that time. Mm-hmm. Like, it changed my life. Yeah. If you, if you can find a couple of people in that will be honest, honest about their, their flaws and their failings and 
and allow other people to learn through their mistakes and be honest about them, then I'd say, hold on to those people with like a death grip. That's, that is, it's rare and incredibly powerful to, to be around people who can be that honest and transparent. And it's a, it's an incredible blessing to, to know those type of people. Uh, that's why I make sure I do this podcast with you, man. Cause like, uh, I have far too much of like time with you and like air and all those things with you to, to ever throw it away. It's so important to my life, right? Uh, being able to be honest with you and you be honest with me. It's like one of my most cherished gifts in life to have. Cause it's made me such a better human being, uh, and yeah. continues to do so. So same. So, yeah. all right. So, do we have a question to go out on? We do have a question to go out on before I make uh, Logan feel too, um, too <laughs> emotional. Before, before, before you I see the emotional cry. response. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know I was getting close there. Logan's like, nope, stop. Uh, yeah. No, that's fine. No, I just, I just heard my son's alarm for school going off above my uh, head. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's about time to be dad. Fine. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think um answering the question of how are you going to keep going you talked about in the middle of the podcast of how hard it is sometimes to keep going how much you want to quit um what is it that you're going to reframe what is the phrase you're going to have to reframe to keep going mine is um i know if i'm not going forward and growing I'm going to die fast because I'll slide back into my addictive behaviors. That's what I tell myself. That's why I always keep going is because of that. Right. But what is your reason? Why, what is it you're going to tell yourself? How are you going to reframe uh, stuff when you just want to quit? Cause it's going to happen. It's happened to me a million times. It'll happen to you guys a million times too. So that'd be the question for next week. Um, what are you going to do to keep going? So good. Well, thanks cool. for the time to get today, Todd. This is really yeah, encouraging. Thank you. Would you pray us out, Logan? I certainly will. Lord, we pray that this uh, this time that Todd and I have spent together uh, talking and, and encouraging each other uh, would be an encouragement to those who listen. Lord, I pray that the, the recording of this podcast would find the people that need to hear it. And Lord, that they would bring encouragement and uh, to them to um, to dig in and, and to go through the process that you've set in front of them. And to um, to surrender to um, to your sanctification, to surrender to the process, and to um, to trust you. Amen. Amen.